So, you want to start with opening night, right? Yeah, yeah, let's do that. All right, so opening night featured um, two games on TNT, of course. Um, the Net, the New Look Nets versus the Golden State Warriors. And then we also had um, Lakers versus Clippers giving us another b- version of the Battle of LA. Um, Katie and, and Kyrie, they looked pretty solid in their debut for the Nets, and they kind of, like, crushed the Warriors and... Warriors have some things to work on. Um, what was your main takeaway from that game? Well, obviously, the biggest story was, you know, obviously the uh, the debut of Kevin Durant, who was, I think it was like his first game in like about 520-something days. So that was obviously the biggest story there. And to be honest, like, and I know we're talking about opening night, but I mean, through these two games, he's looked really solid. But to me, it's like, you know, even though like a lot of people are like on the hype, that, you know, Katie's back, Katie's back. I don't even look at him as 100% back yet. I look at him as, like, a possible 91%, 92%. So, obviously, he's playing well, but I just feel like, you know, as the season progresses, I feel like he can just take it to another level as soon as he gets legs on him, as soon as he gets comfortable with, you know, attacking and really, like, doing what KD did in the past before the injury. So, obviously, I mean, as as the season goes on, he's going to continue to play at a high level. And also, Kyrie, Kyrie's been sensational, you know, even with, you know, everybody – kind of like going at him and everything with the whole media situation. But, you know, I think, I, I think, I think the, um, the pairing of Kyrie and KD is like the best thing. Cause even though those two have like bad, like bad issues with the media is like Ke- Kevin Durant, no matter what happens, he's going to make sure to bring it on a, on a nightly basis. And I feel like with Kyrie being able to, um, walk in Katie's lead, I feel like he'll be able to bring it too. So I, I just feel like, you know, with those two being on a roll, like they have been over these past two games, um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it's just, a, it's, it's a scary sight in the Eastern conference. Now, as far as golden state, it's, it's obvious that, you know, they have some, they have some issues going on, but this is a, this is basically a brand new team. People don't realize that as well. And also Steph didn't play most of last year. So it's like Steph is still trying to find his way with the new team as well, with a lot of guys like Eric Pascal, um, who else can you say? Damian Lee, Jordan Poole, and all these other guys, and also James Wiseman, who's also played well through these first few games. So I think, you know, obviously, we, we obviously have high expe- expectations on Golden State just because of who they are and what they've been over the past few years. But I think I think it's going to take a while for them to become accustomed to one another, especially once uh, Draymond comes back. So it'll definitely be like, it'll, it'll definitely be a little bit of a rough time for Golden State, but I, fig- I think that they'll figure it out. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, like what you were saying, a lot of people still have this image of Golden State of like still being the the championship favorite. And we got to kind of get that image of Golden State out of our minds because like like you said, it's a a whole brand new team. And I think what we're seeing from Steph in these first two games, 
I know we all know that he plays poorly on Christmas, so that's that's like one thing that's always remained constant. So I, I don't even put that Christmas game into perspective. But even just looking back to like the first game and also the games from last year that he played before he broke his hand, he's just trying to figure out how to get these guys into rhythm before he gets himself into anything. And I feel like that's what he's been doing because like I don't know if you saw that highlight yesterday from like when he mixed Drew Holiday. Like he was just showing us some I old signs of yeah, he was showing us some signs of like his old stuff. Like he still has it, but he's like, he's kind of being a bit reserved and I don't know if he's fully trusting himself right now. So, and also I think another factor included that no, that a lot of people are still forgetting as well is that he hasn't played in nine months. And even though he played nine months ago, it was just one game against the Raptors. And even then he still hasn't fully brought himself into rhythm. So I think it'll be just a matter of time before he actually fully ingratiates himself within the offense of this team with these new with this new cast of characters as well as just finding a shot again as well. So I think I think there's nothing to really make a big deal out of with Steph. A lot of people they want to see Steph fail so bad because their teams have been crushed by him in the past and like right. yeah they they just they just want to they just want to latch onto some bit of like failure from him and just tear him down from that but I I have a feeling like midway through the season we'll see a, a brand new version of Steph and everybody will have their mouth shut by then. Right. And I also want to point out, I feel like now with this new season for Golden State and especially with Clay not being able to play this season, now it's it's a challenge as far as like which which wing player will we see step up right next to Steph? Will it be Andrew Wiggins who we've like, you know, who has obviously not played up to his expectations, but people still have high optimism of him? Or will it be Kelly Oubre who showed a lot of a lot of emergence last season? And is also looking to carry that over into um, into the Bay Area. So even though, like, for those two, it hasn't been a solid two games for them. Well, obviously, as a team, it hasn't been a solid two games for them. But it'll be interesting to see which one of those guys will be able to step up in that wing position right next to Steph. Because I feel like, you know, I feel like it takes a lot of pressure off Steph when one of those guys are getting going. When Oubre is firing, firing it, puts a lot of, it takes a lot of pressure off Steph. And you can tell through, like, you know, through like the first two games that, you know, with them not being able to take that game to that next level that, you know, Steph is obviously going to see double, triple teams. But I feel like with another guy being able to score on a consistent basis, that, that's going to help like really good for, um, for Steph and the Warriors. Yeah. Because like when, like when, when those guys aren't hitting shots, the defense is not even obligated to even pay them any mind. Like we see Andrew Wiggins, the 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 jury has been out on Andrew Wiggins for a while of him being a good player because like everyone just sees him like oh he's a twenty point he's a twenty point per game loser basically that's what he's been known as since his Minnesota days so like a lot of people had this high optimism of him coming to Golden State in um, absorbing the winning culture and hopefully developing some good habits but he just seems to fall right back into the same Andrew Wiggins of old. And it's just so frustrating because you have so much he, – he's someone that's so talented and then he just limits himself to just playing basketball in this this undesirable, un, un, unappealing way, in, to be honest. I feel like it's a mixture of both. I feel like it's a mixture of, you know, him allowing everyone to get to his head because I, I don't know how often he's on social media, but if he, if he does go on social media, then he sees that everybody's, like, kind of talking mess about him. And then it's also, I just feel like he just has to, like, you know, just go out there and play. Like, you know, play your game. Like, we know you're talented. We know that you can score the basketball. We know how how athletic you are. Just go out there and play. And I feel like if he just, like, 
puts everything to the side and just plays his basketball, it'll it'll allow him to be successful in Golden State. Golden State is one of the most unselfish teams. You know, Steph Curry is one of the most unselfish superstars. He could play off the ball. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands throughout the 24 seconds in the shot clock. So I just feel like if Andrew Wiggins really wants to, and if he really wants to make that effort, just go out there and play, no matter what the circumstances. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I hope I hope over the, the course of the season, having someone like Draymond out there on the court with him will definitely um, help his game. Because I know Draymond usually just, he opens up the offense and he finds players in their spots when they need the ball the most. So Thanks. hopefully when Draymond gets back, that he'll be able to um, help Andrew Wiggins settle into his game a bit more. And hopefully they can, can they can start to win some games because it's it's been off they've been off to a, a rough start. They lost the Christmas Day game also, but one bright spot has been um, James Wiseman. I know a lot of draft um, a lot of draft Twitter was actually basically down on him being such a highly touted um, prospect because I, I think it was a I think it was a mixture of multiple factors of like lack of game tape of him against like good competition as well as, like, how he looked in the past. So they didn't know what to really expect from him, and they thought he was going to be really raw. And he is still really raw, but he still actually looks pretty good. So how do you feel about James Wiseman so far? I've liked James Wiseman for a while now. And, I mean, I can understand it with the fact that, you know, he didn't play only but about six um, six games playing in Memphis. But even in those six games, he pretty much dominated the floor. I mean, he shows good footwork in the post. He's able to be able to get to his spots and elevate. So I feel like, I'm not, like honestly, like when I when going into the draft, I wanted the Warriors to get Wiseman. Like I didn't want them to grab a guy like LaMelo and possibly Anthony Edwards when they really like, when they really needed a big who could come out, come out there and dominate. And I just feel like, you know, Wiseman can be the um the future of the Warriors, even past Steph and Clay and Draymond, like going forward. It's it's all about how much he develops, how much he continues to emerge as a player, and how well, you know, saying like the um the system of Steve Kirk can like help him be able to become more of a factor as a big man. Yeah, and I think one thing that's really worked in his favor is the jump shot. I know a lot of people had their doubts about the jump shot if it was something consistent, and so far it's looked actually really solid. It has. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit slow, but like it doesn't matter when you're seven foot one because like no one can basically block it. So exactly, that that has also been a surprise for me because I didn't really see much of that when he was at Memphis, and then in that first game against Brooklyn, I think he knocked down like two or three in a row, and it was like, oh, oh shoot! Like if this guy can really stretch the floor like this. Sooner or later, he'll be the best big man in the game, hands down. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's definitely got to work on the defense a bit because I know I noticed that he he's a little bit foul prone, but I think that's just a lack of um, game reps. It could be, yeah. Um, now on to the second game of opening night, we had um um the Lake Battle of L.A. again, um Lakers versus Clippers. Um, Paul George looked actually really good in this game. I think he finished with like 33 points. He's rocking the braids. The jump shot looks smooth. Um, and the Clippers came out with a win again, just like last year. But, you know, we can't take much from it because we saw things crumbled in the playoffs for the Clippers. But th- some things have changed for the Clippers. They added Kennard, Ibaka, um, Batum. Batum actually looks like a decent player mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. So, um, what did you take away from that, um, from the the Lakers Clippers game, and just like their performance overall? Uh, it, it's it's kind of weird because I was really impressed with the way Paul George and the Clippers did play because Paul George really 
came out and had a chip on his shoulder from the, from start to finish. But I'm also not too impressed by it just because, I mean, when you look at it from the Lakers side, the Lakers, the Lakers just kind of show that, you know, they didn't really care about this game. You know, they were just coming off getting their rings. And it was like, you know, they, they were a bit sluggish to start the game, even though they did make a run, like a small run within like the second and third quarter to make a comeback. But you could just tell like their minds was not really into the game. LeBron, LeBron played decent, but he knows not to LeBron standard. Same thing with Anthony Davis. And then, and, and then it's also made sure them just trying to bring in the new guys and trying to help them get comfortable. But, Besides that, I mean, it, it, it was an impressive um, game from the Clippers, particularly Paul George. So now, so now it's all about you know how how he continues to go forward this season, playing at a high level. Because I mean, we we've heard him on all the smoke saying that you know he he's gotten back t- to um, training with the guy that he trained with during his MVP season. Now he doesn't have Doc Rivers with him, and now Tyler, I think Tyler's really giving him that opportunity to play is his style of basketball and you could tell it's made a big difference. So it's just all about how, how much he plays at a high level throughout the rest of the year. Yeah. Ty, Ty Lue has definitely empowered him on offense, um, allowing him to be, play with the ball more in his hands. And that's something he said he wanted to do. Um, he said that um, Doc Rivers used him more of like a, as a Ray Allen or like a, um, a JJ Redick setting like pin downs for him, which, which is, is kind of to Paul George's benefit. Cause when you look at the numbers, he actually performs better or like the numbers at least say that he performs better when he comes off pin downs because he's actually a great, a, a good um spot shooter. Right. So it wasn't really such a bad thing. I, just, I think he just wanted the ball more in his hands so he could decide how he dictates where his offense comes from instead of the offense dictating it for him, which I understand to a degree, but it's like, it's like Doc Rivers is also putting you in the best position for yourself. Well, we'll see how it plays plays how it plays on to um as the season goes on. Um, hopefully he can continue to perform at a consistent level and it continues throughout the playoffs because that's the one thing that has been a knock on him the last couple of years at least is that it, he doesn't do it when it matters the most. So hopefully that can continue. That's a fact for sure, and um, also I mean just 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 kind of going back to like how the Clippers played last season, so. I can I can understand it from Paul George's perspective, like his frustration, especially coming off of that MVP caliber season in OKC, where he was basically the leading guy right beside Russell Westbrook as far as offensively, and then you're coming into a new environment, which which you feel like it is the best position to win a championship. But then you but then you're also teaming up with Kawhi Leonard, who was coming off of a ring as well, and then and we know how much Kawhi is so great, you know, being in isolation and kind of like you know being around that block area with the ball in his hands. So I guess it it might have been kind of difficult for Doc to you know to kind of like have those both of those guys play with the ball in their hands and like kind of with with you know ball moving and everything trying to keep that going, but throughout these first two games, Tyler Lewis kind of made it work. You know, Kawhi Kawhi's played pretty well. Paul George has continued to play well. So if those two can continue to like kind of like play their style of the game, but also you know keep the team going, I think I think it's a good sight to see. Yeah, and one thing I noticed from the Clippers as well is that the ball movement is, like, really, really flowing, and they're really pushing the pace when they get, like, rebounds or turnovers, and they're always looking for opportunities to transition. I think that's something that they didn't do as much last year, especially shoot threes, considering that the people that they had on their teams that could shoot threes, um, but they really they really look like they're pushing the volume on the threes a bit more, which is good to see because – you you can you can never go wrong with 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 making more threes at least, right? And I think the one thing that the Clippers possibly need, and hopefully they can grab it like during trade deadline, which I mean I know a lot of people have said I, I really I really want them to have a floor general at that point guard position that could play 
alongside Kawhi and PG. I really wanted them to grab to grab Rondo in free agency, but unfortunately that didn't happen. And as much as I love Pat Beverly, you know, he's a pest on the defensive end, but, you know, he's just not that guy that's going to set guys up, you know, and really like and really run the floor as far as like being a point guard wise. So if they can possibly grab something like that, I mean, Reggie Jackson can, you know, run that run that full jump position, but, you know, he, he just hasn't really shown it to me since he um since he got to the Clippers. But if they can grab a guy that can like really run the floor and really allow and really put Paul George in Kawhi at their spots and in the best position to score, then I feel like the Clippers will be even more dangerous going into the playoffs this year. Yeah, that's one thing that, that they really lacked. And I thought they were going to make a move at um in free agency for at least like, because I know there were some rumblings of like a Terry Rozier trade possibly. Um, that didn't happen, and of course the Rondo thing was a, was a thing that was that was going around as well. So it was kind of disappointing. With Pat Beverly, yeah, he's not he's not necessarily the guy that you want setting guys up. He's great on the defensive end at being a pest, like you said. And Reggie Jackson, yeah, I'm, I'm I was never really the biggest fan of Reggie Jackson because like I feel like he does he doesn't make like he'll make one good move and then he'll he'll follow it up with like three bad moves. Like he'll have a turnover, he'll take a shot early in the shot clock that didn't need to be taken and like he it's just it, he just does some unnecessary stuff sometimes. So I just don't think and I've seen Kawhi get frustrated with him multiple times. So I I, I didn't even think they were going to bring him back to be honest when when talking about Reggie Jackson. Yeah, you you kind of tell that you know it it has been kind of an, an adjustment, and I agree with you. He he has taken some shots to me that you know I'm kind of like yo, like you know that's that's kind of like not a good look, you know. And you could tell you know it it did kind of frustrate guys like Kawhi and Paul George, especially like you know like you said earlier in the shot clock. I think I think I remember in the bubble when um Kawhi went up to Paul George. I think or no, not Paul George, to Reggie Jackson. Kawhi went up to him, and then I think he said something to him or kind of like in frustration. So it's just all about, like like I said, it's just all about trying to find a guy that can really be that point guard for the team. Because right now, it's like, who do you have running the floor on offense? It's like, you know, you don't really have a real floor general on the team. So that, that that's what I feel like can really benefit them in going into the playoffs. Definitely. Um, so then going into the next couple games, I guess we can um, go into Tuesday. What was it? No, Wednesday's games. Um, Boston versus um, Milwaukee. That was an interesting game. I thought it was going to be a blowout. And then, of course, Milwaukee came back and made it close. Right. Um, JT and um, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, wing duo. I mean, what more can you say about their games and the way they complement each other? It's going to be um, really tough to see how they continue to um, keep up on offense and shot creation um, opportunities without Kemba on the court because Jeff Teague and Peyton Pritchard minutes, I mean, they they looked rough in, on that Christmas game against the Nets when it was just like Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown by themselves out there. So, um, But yeah, um, Giannis and... Giannis and Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday really looked like a big three that game. Like they really yeah, all they brought did. it. They really all brought it on on the offensive end and defensively as well. I think they all scored like twenty five plus. So I mean, if they can do that in like playoff games when it really matters, I mean, down the road, that's when it'll really see that this this trade paid dividends. Um. So how did you feel about that game? 
it was a fun game to watch to me. I mean, even though like I, I didn't miss most of the first quarter because I was busy, but um, just kind of besides that, you know, Boston obviously like really took control. Tatum looked pretty well, even even though Tatum didn't really shoot like a higher percentage, but he was really getting into his spots. Jalen Brown, Jalen Brown, I don't know why. I just feel like he was like the most underrated part of this game because he he really played fantastic on both ends of the floor. And as far as Milwaukee side, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I think um, Giannis, Chris Middleton, Andrew Holiday could really be a big three if they can all stay consistent. And throughout these two games, Chris Middleton has looked pretty good. I'll admit that. And and I know I know that we all, we've all been critical of him, especially in the playoffs, you know, when he hasn't played up to his standards. But to start the season, he's really been shooting the ball pretty well. And if he and to be honest, I really hope that he continues to keep it up going forward because I, I really feel like that's just really crucial for um for Milwaukee this year. And then also also another guy like Dante DiVincenzo who played well, had 15 points um, that night, which I'm really happy for him because I'm, I'm happy that he's finally really like showing the opportunity. I mean, he has some good he has some good um some good stretches last year, but I, I just feel like he wasn't really getting as much of an opportunity as he is so far this year. So yeah, kudos to him. But it really just all came down to like, you know, Giannis was missing that last free throw. And it's like, you know, with with the game on the line, especially with no fans to distract you in that arena, it's like, you know, you, you definitely have to convert on that free throw. And that's that's definitely something that, that he needs to think about going forward and like hopefully it doesn't happen again. Yeah, that's one thing that's always concerned me about Giannis is the free throw shooting because like the form <laughs> looks I, th- I thought he changed it at first because I saw during the preseason he was, like, tinkering around with it a, a little bit and the form yeah. did look a bit different. But then he reverted back to his old form. So I don't I don't know if he's if he's planning to change it long term. I do like to see the progression with the jump shots. I know it started off er- early last year like that too. So And then it tailored off towards the end again. Hopefully he can keep that consistent because if he's hitting threes, then he's really a problem for the for the defense and they can't really wall up against him but um i i would like to see Giannis develop that that mid post game a little bit more and add some more moves in his repertoire down there cuz then it once once he gets down there it's hard to stop him in the post because he's powerful and if he has those moves then he then he can counter the defense and they can't just build the walls up so i would like to see an improvement there with Giannis yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, throughout the first few games, he has kind of shown like you know, kind of kind of like some some moves in the um on the block and during the mid range. I've seen him make a few turnaround jumpers jumpers from uh, time to time in that Boston game. So yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean this this has honestly been like the biggest concern with Giannis is being a perimeter scorer. We know how dominant he is getting to the basket. We know how dominant he is on the on the defensive end, and that's what makes him him. But I feel like in order for him to take his game to that next level and for also for Milwaukee to go to that next level is for him to have that jump shot. And we saw that last year in the bubble when they played Miami, when, you know, when he, when he got on the block and then, you know, next thing you know, Miami trapped him and then it forced him into like a bad possession. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely all about him getting, getting, getting into like the, a good spot on the perimeter and him just going to work offense. I mean, He's shown that he can make a three. He's shown that he can make the mid-range shot, but it's got to be on, on a consistent level. And that's and that's obviously the biggest the biggest concern with Giannis so far. And it definitely needs to be an, an improvement as the season goes on. Yeah. Um, another game featured on national TV for um, Wednesday was um, Suns versus Mavericks. We got our first look at Devin Booker and Chris Paul. And we also got our first look at Doncic without Porzingis and this new little bit of a new look squad. 
Um, they they did shuffle some um role player pieces during the off season. Um, but having Devin Booker and in, in CPA in in the clutch is just unfair to me. I mean, we saw those two last year what they did in the clutch on their own respective teams. Two of the most clutch um players um scorers um they just dictate the pace of the game at the end of the game um chris paul and devin booker both masters of the mid-range underrated parts of their game um and it was just it was just fun to see that that duo just like take over the end of that game like they both didn't have the best game up until that point but when it came down to like Time to time for business. Time to close the game down. They did what needed to be done, and they got they got the job done. So, how'd you feel about that game? I liked it from start to finish. To be honest, and I mean, like you said, I mean, B- Booker had a solid first half, but I mean, it, I think kind of like in the second half, you know, I think he just kind of like got kind of cold and stopped being as assertive as he once was. But like you said, I mean, as soon as as soon as clutch time came around, I mean, that that was when those two kind of rose to the occasion, and that's and that's that's definitely going to be something that they're going to have to do in order to Phoenix to get through, especially a lot of tough teams out in the West. I mean, even though Dallas hasn't really looked up to par over these past few games, especially with the loss of Porzingis, but having Luka Dodgers on your squad automatically makes you like a threat. So for CP3 and, um, you know, Devin Booker and also DeAndre Aiden and a lot of those guys, just being, being able to come up in those big situations throughout the game, it really it really shows like what, time, what kind of team that they can be. Now, as far as Dallas, Dallas, I really hope that Porzingis – comes back soon because I don't I don't know the timetable on his return exactly but they've really struggled over the past few games I mean I, I, just, I just feel like you know they're just I feel like the lack of like that size underneath is really giving them, giving them problems and I know Dwight Powell's a good solid player even though he is coming off of his injury but I, I just feel like Porzingis just helps him elevate to that to that next level of contention as the season goes around. So Luca's been doing play been playing really well. Tim Hardaway Jr.'s played pretty well. I like I like the signing of Josh Richardson and then also other guys like um Finney Smith and and other cats. But Porzingis I think the loss of, I think the loss of Porzingis is really like taking a toll toll on him and, and I feel like you know his presence is deeply missed. Well I mean as a Knicks fan, just to like speak briefly, I, I I'm like Dallas, they couldn't keep stinking it up because we own their pick this year, and I would just love for another lottery pick. I would just love for another lottery pick in this loaded draft class. So I do not mind Dallas stinking it up. Luka Doncic, I will say though, he's not in shape. Like that's something that's that, that's evident right now. Like I think he'll play him. In. Yeah, I want to go ahead. I want to say he's also injured as well. I think he injured. Did he injure that? Um, I think it was like his left foot or something like that in the uh, Phoenix game. He did. He did turn his ankle in the Phoenix game. Yeah, he did. So maybe maybe that could play a huge role, but I'll, but I mean, I do agree with what you're saying though as well. I mean, Lucas looked rather slow to begin the season off as well, and I hope he's not one of those guys that like comes into comes into camp out of shape, knowing that he could play himself into shape because it doesn't do yourself any justice in the Western Conference to start off slow because, as you see from um. Years past, teams that start off slow, I mean, it's not, it doesn't benefit them when it comes playoff times because sometimes those playoff spots are determined by those one or two games that you, you're you not taking that seriously in the beginning of the year. And in a shortened season, that could mean a lot with the 72 games now. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you, 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 
you honestly kind of like hit, hit the nail right on there. Like, I mean, especially being in the Western Conference, it's, it's important for these teams like Dallas, Phoenix, and like the rest of these guys are like probably not as far as contention like the Lakers and Clippers and Nuggets and all the other teams. But, you know, just being around like that fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh seed, it really helps, you know, just being able to play every game like it's crucial. Because, I mean, here's the thing, like the West is like the West is that conference where it's like you could you could be like in the fourth, fifth seed and then you lose that one game and the next, you know, you're down to like the eighth or ninth seed. So every game is really crucial, especially with how deep yep. it is. So it'll definitely be important to see how, how Dallas, you know, comes back from that loss against the Lakers on Christmas and see where they can go going forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, next game I do want to talk about, or not even next game, but like some brief brief notes from other games that happened across the league. Um, Jamal Murray, the bubble, the bubble's not here this time, and Jamal Murray's looking a bit rough around the edges to start the season so far. I know a lot of people are expecting him to make this jump into like the top five point guard conversation, but we may need to hold off on it because I think – Jamal Murray is showing us that this is who he really is, which I always knew how, who he was, was like an inconsistent guy. And he'll give you like, he'll average maybe a calm 19, but he hasn't given you like the 27 points per game that he gave us in the playoffs on, on the crazy efficiency that he did, which is okay. But like the recency bias I saw on, on Twitter was just like ridiculous with yeah. people talking about him over like other established guards in the league that have been doing this consistently. So how do you feel about Jamal Murray's rough start? Um, I will admit I have been like, you know, I, I, I'm very guilty of that, you know, cause I, about <laughs> a few weeks ago, I wrote an article just kind, kind of debating like whether like that bubble experience kind of made him a top five point guard in the league. But I'll, I'll agree. I'll agree with you, man. I mean, he has not looked good to start this, um, to start this season. And, I guess the bubble does have something to do with you know people how, pl- how players are playing well. But Dame Dame hasn't played well either to start the se- to start the season as well. And I guess I guess maybe yep. I guess maybe just like I guess they got so accustomed to like that type of atmosphere where it's like you know now now they have to adjust like kind of back to how things used to be. And but I mean you also have to give credit to Sacramento as well. Sacramento didn't um, didn't allow things to get easy for them, and you know they ended up going away with the win. So it, it it's definitely important for Murray to play well throughout the season, especially being right next to Jokic. Because here's the thing, if, if Murray's not playing well, then I, I personally don't see Denver getting to another uh, Western Conference Finals or even like possibly trying to get to the finals. So it, it's definitely up for Murray to continue to like improve as a player and also just like take that next step throughout the rest of the season in order for the, uh, Denver to get to get by. Yeah, a lot, hinges, a lot of this hinges on Murray's um, development um just as a consistent player because as you can see with the, with the bubble the thing was it was a consistent environment um and guys like Murray who are like streaky they need like something consistent to like make sure that nothing affects their game such as like travel a lot of people mentioned the depth of perception with no crowd it changes when you're looking at the rim and stuff like that so they got used to it over those two months and it really, it really changed things for a lot of these guys. I mean, even Tyler Hero, who was going nuts in the playoffs in the bubble, not looking so good to start this year off so far. Just, just a lot of change. It's, a, it's back to the way things were before. Like a lot of people underestimated the factors of, of, of travel and just like just the overall schedule and wear and tear of the season. So, I think that we're, we're going to see a lot of these bubble performances. Be kind of nullified basically by going back to normal this year. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's it's crazy how you look back on like how how good the, the players really had it because it's the thing like right after, you know, right after each game, like you were able to recover like really quick. Like, you know what I'm saying? You didn't have to like deal with travel. Like you said, you didn't have to like deal with, you know, other, other things of that nature. So players were playing at a very high level because of that and were, and were able to benefit off of it. But the thing is now is that now the things are back to normal, which players wanted because a lot of players really hated the bubble. Now it was all about, you know, how, how you can take, your experience from the bubble onto, you know, back to what it used to be playing, playing in the arenas and everything. So it'll be interesting. I mean, Jamal Murray is that kind of player where I do feel like he will come back and play at a um, high level, even, even though, even though it has kind of like been a rocky start throughout the first few games of the season. But I, I feel like with just the kind of player that he is, I feel like he'll be able to bounce back. And also, I mean, uh, players like Jokic and coach Mike Malone, I just feel like, I just feel like they won't tolerate, you know, just bad play out of Jokic. Uh, sorry, excuse me, Murray. So it'd be interesting to see like how, how he elevates his game going forward. Yeah. Um, and then so speaking of the Sacramento Denver game, that was a crazy ending with the buddy healed um, tip in. I know a lot of people are hoping that Sacramento can somehow make a leap into the playoffs. I know this year is a really tough year in the West with the amount of teams that are, are supposed to be good at least, but a lot of them have started off rough. So maybe Sacramento can slip themselves in somewhere. Um, Trey Young has been crazy to start this season. I mean, j- just a couple, just like an hour before we started recording, he just finished a game where he had like 36 against the Grizzlies and he had like 37 against the Bulls in a blowout. So he's he's off to a great start this year as well. So how are you feeling about Trey Young and Atlanta's at least chances of a playoff spot this year? So far they're 2 and 0, I think. Yeah, they're so. 2 and 0 and honestly, I mean Trey Young has played well and in obviously, I mean he's he's going to have to continue to play at that high level in order for Atlanta to get by, but as far as the Hawks, I feel like they have the right pieces around them to possibly land a 7th A seed. I mean, and obviously that's also because of me of how of how much weaker the um, Eastern Conference is, even though the East has gotten better this year, but they're not what the West is. And I mean, the West is just so deep. They're like 12 teams deep, so it's crazy. But I think the signing of Bogdanovich, you know, grabbing him really helps. And also not to mention Rondo as well. And also I feel like Clint Capella is going to be a really great enforcer under the basket for Atlanta moving forward to moving forward into this season. I feel like he's going to take a lot of pressure off of John Collins being that big man. And it'll allow John Collins to really play play his game on offense to be able to really stretch the floor like like he's known to be. So as far as Atlanta, I really I really like their chances as far as making the playoffs. And as long as Trey Young is averaging around the, the numbers that he did last year, it could definitely happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, um So Trey, Trey does definitely look solid. And speaking of um, the Grizzlies... John Morant's been cooking to start the year, and I, I feel like he's going to have to continue to perform at such a high level because he's missing Jaron Jackson Jr. and Justice Winslow to start the year. Brandon Clark's jumper looks all messed up now. and It is. Ugh. Yeah, the, the form looks – I don't know what happened, who worked with him this, this offseason, but that's that's just a mess. But John Morant's been solid. Um, 44 points on, on on their opening night versus the Spurs. Um, on really high efficiency. Um, and then today he followed it up with, I believe it was like a 26-point game, seven assists. So, I mean, the, him and Ja, they're, they're the, him and Trey, they're the future of the point guard position. 
in this league. And so far, they they really lived up to it um, to start the season. Yeah, definitely. Jaw Jaw just continues to amaze me, and it's not all. It's it's not about like the way he's scoring, but it, it's it's his efficiency that's really getting to me. He shot. I want to say he shot forty seven, forty eight percent last year. I looked at the numbers of uh, a few days back, and he's also starting this year shooting the ball well, well as well. And I mean, and I mean, just just watching this Hawks game tonight, it really shows like when you give Jaw a little bit of space, he's going to take advantage of it. And he and he he did that for the most part against in against the Hawks. I mean, especially when he was going up against guys like Kevin Hurd or Trey Young, you know, those, those guys being able to defend him, but like you said, I mean, Memphis is going to have a really tough time, especially with the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr. and um and Justice Winslow. But I do, I do, I I want to personally see a little bit more from Dylan Brooks, guys like of that nature. Kyle Anderson played pretty well tonight, um, against the Hawks. Yeah, so it's definitely all about like you know who's going to be that next man for um alongside John Moran. Um, and, and you know, obviously, like I said, I mean, the loss of Jaron Jackson Jr. really does hurt, but it's all about you know what will we get from Dylan Brooks on a consistent basis? I mean, and also guys like Brandon Clark, whose jump shot looks awful, but I still feel like there could be a chance that he could come up big in big situations. And also guys like Valentinus as well. So jaw looks pretty good to start the season, but it's all about, you know, who's going to be that next man right next to him to start the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, Another key performance to start off the year, speaking of the sophomores this year, um, RJ Barrett had a solid game against the Pacers. Um, finished with like 26, um, eight and five started off the game. I think it was nine for nine and three for three from three point land. So hopefully RJ can continue to, um, put up these type of numbers and hopefully lead to some type of wins because a lot of people were down on him after just one half of preseason against the Pistons, calling him a bust and saying he's one of the worst lottery picks. So I I would just hope not even just as a Knicks fan, but just as like someone who likes to see the young guys thrive, but just like, like I would just like to see him continue to put these type of numbers up because it just shows the furtherment of his development. So I don't know if you got to see any of the highlights or from um from that game. So how do you feel about um RJ in general, at least? Yeah, to be honest, I want to say I saw a little bit of the highlights on TV, and I mean honestly, I mean before we started this, I kind of forgot that they even played the Pacers that night, but. I've yeah, been, I've been telling people to just you know stay patient with RJ. RJ, RJ shows that he could be a very viable player, and, and I feel like he's so lethal on the floor. He could play like almost any position. I mean, and honestly, we saw that at Duke when he was playing alongside Zion Williamson, and just how how much he was able to really take over most of those games, you know, in, in college. And I feel like he could do the same thing for the Knicks as well. Especially, hopefully, Coach Thibodeau will really look at him and be like, okay, this is your team. You should be able to, you know, create on your own. Be able to just kind of like take over the game whenever you can. Cause I mean, I, RJ, RJ is such a phenomenal player where it's like, I feel like he's capable of doing things like that. And I, and I mean, I know that, you know, his jump shot can be a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, I, I, I feel like there are times where, you know, where he does shoot the ball and he's like, it doesn't seem like he's so confident in the shot that he took, but I, I just feel like, you know, with a little, with a little more development and a little more experience, I feel like that could possibly be something that he could overcome. But but yeah, I mean, just just looking at the Knicks, the Knicks honestly have they don't have a bad team to me. Like you know what I'm saying? And and I you know honestly, I know people I know people like, you know, like to trash him and everything, but the thing is like, you know, Mitchell Robinson, I like Mitchell Robinson. He's a really good player. I like Obi Toppa, even though I didn't expect him to go to the Knicks. He's a solid player. Guys like Emmanuel quickly and you know, another cat. So the Knicks the Knicks don't have a bad roster. I mean, they are relatively young, but it's just all about, you know, how how well they're coached and how and how and who's going to be that guy to take to the next level, which I expect RJ Barrett to be. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the first time I actually feel confident in the coaching staff that we have here at, um, for the Knicks because I, I was never confident in David Fisdale. I wasn't a fan of Jeff Hornacek, at least for our roster when we had him. Um, who was the other coaches that we had? Um, I liked Mike Miller, but I didn't think he was supposed to be here long term. He was the guy after Fisdale. Right. But this is the first time I actually have confidence in the coaching staff because – but the first time ever we hired a development a development um staff um which we never had before surprisingly um and i just feel like Thibodeau is someone who's just going to get on these guys more i mean as we've seen so far in even preseason games they're up by like 40 in one preseason game they made like a bad defensive play and he called a timeout to like just get on them about it so i mean like that's the type of coaching that leads to like building a winning culture and developing your young guys in the right habits so I feel like if they continue on that route, I feel like the season, even if whatever losses that we we have, I feel like that will make a, that will make for a good season regardless. Yeah, definitely. Um, the Wizards, I like how they looked in their first game. Um, with Russell Westbrook, Beal, Bertans, Denny, all those guys. I mean, I feel like they have a solid chance at being a playoff team. How do you feel about? The Wizards. Definitely. I see them being a sixth seed if everything goes right. Cause I mean, we, we saw, we saw what Bradley Beal was able to do last year, basically without a point guard. Well, as far as like, you know, a, a high caliber point guard being right next to him and he averaged 30 games. So I feel like playing alongside Russell Westbrook will really help him be able to continue that, that high level play and also possibly elevate going forward. And as far as like the Wizards roster, I really like, I, I like, I like Denny being, being that player for the second unit because I feel like with his with his ability to facilitate and score I just feel like I, I just feel like it takes that second unit to another level and just looking at that first game for the team I mean you you could tell like Russ was really trying to get into his own he was he was pretty much controlling the pace of the game but I, I just feel like with a little more experience if the team had a little bit more experience together I feel like they probably would have been able to, to close that game out against Philadelphia so so yeah, I mean Russ is going to continue to be Russ. Hopefully, Bradley Beal will continue to um, emerge as a All Star in this league, and, you know, and, and continue to develop. And also, I mean, the rest of the team like Bertans and Rui and all these other guys can continue to play at a high level as well. Yeah, I mean, I th- I was I was at first when the trade happened, I kind of clowned the trade a little bit because I was like, "Hey, you're play- you're trading like a tangerine for an orange," but, like basically saying like Russ and John Wall were like the same player. And with with Russ, you have something. I that's was definitely a sure on thing. that wave. <laughs> yeah, with with Russ, you have something more of a sure thing because he's someone that's actually played in the last two years. As with John Wall, I mean, we're still waiting for his debut, his regular season debut, at least because of the whole situation with the Rockets and their quarantine um situation. Um, so John Wall is someone who hasn't played in two years, and you don't know what you're getting with him necessarily. With Russ, you're getting someone who's more of a sure thing, and you know Russ will do whatever it takes to get his team to the playoffs, at the very least. And then you pair that with Bradley Beal and all the shooting that they have. It's just It just makes for a solid recipe for a team that can make it to the playoffs. I, I don't think they'll get far in the playoffs, but I think they'll make it there. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, just just looking at the East, I mean, the only teams that I could possibly see ahead of them is obviously Brooklyn, obviously Milwaukee, Boston. Um, Philadelphia and possibly maybe maybe Toronto. It's kind of like you know, especially with the loss of Gasol and Ibaka. Is like you know, where do you see Toronto placing in the Eastern Conference? So I feel like the Wizards and the Raptors could possibly be fighting for like that fifth, sixth spot in the East. But it's all about you know which team really emerges throughout the rest of the year. 
But but yeah, I mean, just just looking at the game, I like I like Russ on the team. I feel I feel like Russ is really going to help this team thrive as a collective, especially with the leadership that he has and him being able to like really run the floor and being able to find open guys. So yeah, it it'll be definitely interesting to see like where this Wizard team goes. I mean, he's he's reunited with Scott Brooks, and you know he had a lot of success under under him. So it's it's definitely going to be a good thing for Washington throughout the season. Yeah, for sure, and um. Now let's move on to um, the Christmas Day games. Um, the first game of the day, I mean, how did you feel about the Christmas Day slate in general? Because I know everybody was, like, down on it because it was, like, this is probably one of the worst Christmas Day schedules that we had in a while. I'm not necessarily mad at it. I just wish that all the games would have probably been a little bit more competitive. And, I mean, obviously I mean, obviously, you can't really help that, especially when one team is, like, playing exceptionally, exceptionally well and then the next team is just kind of playing, like, bled. But, I mean, to be honest, it, was, it wasn't, like, it wasn't a bad schedule. I mean, obviously, like, the first game, Zion, you know, everybody wants to see Zion. And then also you have the Miami Heat who, who are coming off of a finals appearance. And then you have Milwaukee, the next game, who had the best record in the league. And then you have the Warriors playing them who, you know, everybody's excited to see. Everybody's excited to see Steph, and they were excited to see Clay, even though Clay's not going to be Clay wasn't able to play. And then also, then the next game you have KD playing in his return, him alongside Kyrie, and then you're also playing a Boston team with Tatum and Brown and all the rest of those guys. And then, and then in the course, LeBron and Luca, and then again, and then again, Jokic, Murray against Kawhi and PG. So I mean, it's overall it was a pretty good schedule. I mean, I, I can understand, you know where people were, but I, I, I wasn't too mad at it. Yeah, the schedule in general, at first when I first saw it, I was like, there could be a couple of good games from this. But then as the day went on, like, it it, it just devolved into, like, blowout after blowout after blowout. And I know this is not what Adam Silver had in mind because, like, he really wanted the schedule to be up. He really wanted the, the NBA to come back in time so that way we could have Christmas Day games. And it just devolved into five games that no one really wanted to sit through the end of. I mean, there's not much to really take from these games, but I did notice some things, um, like from the Heat and Pelicans game. Um, the Pelicans really have bad spacing, and Eric they Bledsoe, do. Eric Bledsoe just looks awful. Like I don't know how the Bucks, Giannis, I don't know how Giannis did it. All that, all those those last two years, I don't know how he did it with Eric Bledsoe, but Eric Bledsoe just did not look like a basketball player against the Pelicans. I mean, against the Heat. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, like, I was kind of scratching my head when Milwaukee traded Bledsoe or, or made, made Bledsoe a part of that deal to get Drew Holiday. And to be honest with you, man, I don't I don't expect Eric Bledsoe to even be with this team like after the trade deal, I feel like I feel like they'll possibly ship him elsewhere. But I kind of agree with you, man. I, I, just, I just feel like you know with Bledsoe's inability to shoot the basketball on a consistent level, it, it does like lack the empathy of spacing. And and, and to be honest, but like when I look at New Orleans, I mean, I, I I honestly look at them as like a pretty decent spacing team, especially when you have a guy like JJ Redick. You have um, other guys like I mean, George Hill is able to shoot the rock. Um, Lonzo Lonzo. Hasn't been the best of shooters, but over the past few years, he has shown to be a good shooter. But the one the one takeaway that I had from like the Pelicans as far as this game is that Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson is is destined to be a really good duo if everything goes well. I mean, I, I want to say Zion had about like thirty or so, and then Brandon Ingram had about like twenty eight. And 
for the most part, they look pretty good, but it's like, you know, it's, it's also crazy because Miami is just a really good team. Duncan Robinson pretty much led the team for most of the night. Jimmy Butler has a good moments and um, other guys as well. But yeah, I mean, the one takeaway that I did have from that game is that the fact that Zion and Brandon Ingram could really be like a deadly duo if everything goes right, if everybody gets to stay healthy. Yeah, I do like that duo. And I felt like Ingram should have finished with at least some more points because he had 28 through three. And then I don't know what happened in that fourth quarter, but it feels like they kind of froze him out and the ball just kind of went straight to Zion, which I kind of understand. But Ingram had the hot hand, so I, I would figure that they would try to get him going a bit more. But... Yeah, that is a duel to to see for um for years to come. Um, with Zion though, defensively he does have some things to work on. He looks lost out there at times. I don't know if it's just a lack of game reps because you know he he did start off late in the season last year. Um, so I don't know if it's that, but yeah, he just looks a bit lost out there defensively. Like he also looks a bit stiff. I don't know if that will change throughout. Just like throughout the flow of the regular season. But, yeah, I thought that his his game was still pretty impressive. I mean, he just kept getting to the rim. They couldn't stop him. And when it when something like that just keeps working for you, just keep doing it. So, yeah, he did finish with, um I think it was um 30, 32 points. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, um, Zion. I think I think I think what needs to happen is that I think Stan is really gonna have to like make some like defensive sets where Zion could really be like a force under the basket. Because I mean, with with a guy of his size, I mean, he can he can pretty much you know dominate anybody or like you know kind of stop anybody with that size and that athleticism. And and also, I mean, just pairing him alongside Stephen Adams under the basket, I just feel like I just feel like that's a recipe for disaster for a lot of teams defensively. Just just with their ability, with their strength and their IQ for the game. So. It'll be it'll be interesting to see like the adjustment that Stan makes, you know, on 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 the defensive end. Because I mean, this I, like just looking at the roster, this team is pretty solid defensively. Yeah, um, and um, another observation that um I saw from this game is Precious Achua is gonna. That was a solid find for Miami. I thought that he was going to be, like, late first round, maybe second round pick, but they picked him at, like, I think pick 20 it was in the first round. And he's already part of the rotation. Um, Also, a note is Kendrick Nunn is not in the rotation right now, so that's something that's very interesting. So, but Precious Achua was a solid find for them. Defensively, he gives them, like, some length, and he's able to guard a a little bit on the perimeter, and he gives them some energy in transition. So that that is one of my main takeaways from that Miami game. Yeah, I, I honestly didn't know much about Achua um before before he ended up being drafted. But I mean just just looking at that for, just looking at that Christmas matchup against New Orleans, he did he did play pretty solid. Um how many points I, I had the stats up. He had eleven points. He he shot a pretty high percentage from the field. So yeah, I mean I like him a part of the rotation, honestly, and I mean, if Eric Spolstra can continue to give him those good minutes, and I feel, I feel like he'll be, he'll be able to continue to produce at a high level. Yeah, um, we we spoke about a little bit about Golden State versus the we spoke a little bit about Golden State from the Buck, and we also spoke about the Bucks um a little bit too. Um, one thing I did notice from this game is the Bucks, their front court depth. It's something that's going to be challenged throughout the the regular season and the playoffs, and it might force Bud to to play Giannis at um at backup center minutes more, which is something that a lot of people have wanted him to do, but he's been kind of resistant to doing. 
But the lack of a backup center, or at least a good backup center on the defensive end, is going to probably force Bud to play Giannis at the five more. So that's something I noticed. Um, and just the Warriors just needing something to work for them. Um, I thought I also wrote in my notes that Steph wasn't being as aggressive. Like he was just looking like, as I, as I mentioned earlier, he was just looking for his teammates more. So hopefully that changes in their next game where he gets more aggressive. How'd you feel about that, that game? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just, 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 just looking at the whole game. I mean, it, it was, it was obviously a disaster for Golden State, just to say the least. And I mean, I know people like like to kind of like clown on stuff, saying like, "Oh, he doesn't play well on Christmas Day." Christmas Day, but you can kind of tell like this this game like he wasn't as aggressive as he needs to be, and you can tell like he's really trying to like help his teammates to really like, really find a rhythm on the team as far as like you know chemistry and ball movement. So, and then also, I mean, it's it's crazy, it's crazy as well because honestly, I mean, Giannis didn't really play that well of a game. I mean, he did have a double double, he did have fifteen points, but it was really just you know. Guys like Chris Middleton, guys like Drew Holiday, these other guys, they like, you know, continue to play at a high level. And because of that, you know, it was able to be like a huge blowout. So Golden State definitely has some problems that need to be um that need to be fixed soon. I mean, and I mean, we obviously said that when they um in, in the beginning of the show when they when we were talking about them playing against Brooklyn. But to be able to like to lose by like thirty nine points when Giannis wasn't really playing up to like his up to like his level. Like it really just shows, like you know, there's some really there, there's some issues that really need to be adjusted, and 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 I hope Steve Kerr really looks at this team and like really figures out like what he needs to do to help these guys compete at least, like you know, on both ends of the floor. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, Middleton looked great in that um, in that game, and he just looks great overall to start the season. Like he just looks more comfortable, especially in like ball handling duties more. Because I think now that the team doesn't really have a true point guard to start, they kind of let Middleton for, um, do some more ball handling duties, which is is interesting to see because it's something that we saw glimpses of in the past and it wasn't something that was featured a lot, but it's something that's being featured a lot more. Because Drew isn't necessarily a true point guard, so they don't necessarily have one in the starting lineup to play a, play alongside them. So that was interesting to see. Uh yeah, definitely. I mean, just it's crazy though as well because I mean I didn't I didn't even look at it from that perspective of Milwaukee not having a point guard like a true point guard that's able to run the floor for them. I mean, and and it kind of I guess you could say it kind of puts them in the same position that the Clippers are in as far as like not having a point guard. But I feel like with the way with the the way that Giannis has the ability to like really be that floor general and like be able to facilitate on on the uh, offensive end, I guess it does kind of like I guess it does kind of make up for like for loss of a true point guard but I mean but like you said I mean Chris Middleton has continued to just emerge throughout this throughout the um first part of the season and he, he honestly looks like him he's not stopping either because I mean the, the jump shot is flowing for him he's able to get he's able to get good looks at the three-point line mid-range game and it's obviously working for him so definitely they definitely need to continue to look for him going forward and I know for a fact that my coach Bud will um, definitely like keep him in the flow of things as the uh, season goes on yeah, for definitely. And um, with the the next game that came up was um Boston and Brooklyn. We kind of spoke about that a little bit with like Brooklyn having Kevin Durant come back, still easing his way back into full strength. One thing for Boston, they lack they lack some depth. Like I don't know how they've 
they've had all these assets over the years, but it's resorted it's resulted in like little depth that they have now. I mean, they they're they're having to play Peyton Pritchard actual minutes. Um, who else do they give minutes to? They 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 had to play their rookies, which is something that we don't necessarily see from Boston, especially the last couple of years. So that's that's one thing that troubles me about Boston and if they can get far in the playoffs. And the Kemba thing, the Kemba knee injury is concerning as well because it was an issue in the bubble and they had him rest and then he played in the playoffs. He did not look good. And here he is again to start this season, um, not playing. And it's it's concerning. So how do you feel about the Celtics and just like Kemba overall? I've honestly said this like before the season even started, like I just felt like Boston didn't do enough in the offseason like to really elevate their team as far as like being the Eastern Conference. And I know they've been I, I know they've been to the conference finals with this with this young ball club like two of the last three years, but I feel like now with with a team like Milwaukee who's obviously has a chip on the shoulder looking to come back this year and also Brooklyn having Kevin Durant and Kyrie healthy coming back and not to mention teams like Philadelphia with uh, with a new head coach and uh, pretty much a new system over there. I just feel like Boston didn't do enough to really help the team. And I know they had a signing of Tristan Thompson, which really does help. But like you said, I mean, the loss of Kimba does does also hurt for them as well. I mean, and, and you could tell, like, he could have made a really big difference last night against Brooklyn um, going up against Kyrie. But... But yeah, I mean, I mean, just just looking at this roster, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy how like you know they they continue to play. They played Peyton Pritchard twenty five minutes. They played um, Grant Williams eighteen minutes. Semi Ojale fourteen min fourteen minutes. So yeah, I mean, they're they're really having to rely on their their younger assets to really like step in and like kind of like you know keep the pace going off the bench for the uh, for the team. And you can tell it's really hurt hurt them um, against Brooklyn. So. Hopefully, hopefully, without hopefully, like throughout the season, the um, coach Brad Stevens will possibly make some adjustments, and hopefully, like with um, with Kemba coming back sometime in January, it'll definitely like make them a better team. Yeah, they might have to pull some moves at the trade deadline. I don't know. So I, maybe they might have to trade one of the rookies that they have, um, one of their younger players that is not getting much run, like Carson Edwards or Romeo Langford, maybe. But they're gonna have to do something to fix that issue that they have with the depth because right now to start this season when Jason, as I mentioned before, when Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, when one of them is out of the, when he's not on the court, it, it's just the the offense just stifles and there's not much creation being, um, there's not much shot creation happening. It's a lot of Jason Tatum isos and whatnot. So. I mean, he, he can score on a good percentage of them, but it, it isn't necessarily the best shot that, that you're getting in the offense. Definitely. So. Like, what kills me with Tatum as well is that, I mean, we, we know how gifted he is offensively, but there have been, there have been many times when he's in those isolation um, possessions and it's like he just has the ball too long and he's not making a play. Like, he's just dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. And then by the time, it's like, you know, seven seconds go by, eight seconds go by, and it's like now we're just waiting on him to make a play. Like, okay, are you going to shoot the ball? Are you going to look for an open man? So... That's something that, like, he needs to improve on, like, you know, going forward to the season, like, really just, like, you know, making a quick move with the ball in his hands because I, I feel like, I feel like you know, with him having the ball too long in his hands, it's, it's going to, it's gonna like, force into a bad shot or possibly a turnover. So it's definitely an improvement that needs to um, happen. Yeah, one thing, yeah, Jason Tatum is one of my favorite players, but one thing I don't like seeing him do is he dribbles for, like, 12 seconds just to do a sidestep three 
when like you can get to the basket, get you some fouls, get some free throws maybe, or just find another man. I mean, he, he like you said, he spends way too much time dribbling and he makes the game more difficult for himself. And I feel like that's something him and like, is that something him and Paul George have in common where they make the game too difficult for themselves. They like to showcase their bag a bit too much. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, bro, just settle for the easy shot and the offense will come to you so much easier at that at that point. Especially, I mean, and especially like with him, like growing into like 6'10", is like, you know, he has an advantage over like the majority of like players at that small four power four position. So it's like, you know, you shouldn't really have to, take that much time into like getting getting into your shot like you know what i'm saying like whether you post up or whether you know isolation plays like you know be able to like just make a quick move whether it's being able to get to the basket whether it's being able to take a step back three or a step back um mid-range shot or even like passing the ball open like i just feel like you know with him with him being able to like to make a quick play as the um as the best player on the team it'll really help the celtics as a whole like you know it really it really helped elevate their play on offense yeah. Um, one and going on to the Mavericks versus Lakers game. Lakers, their offense definitely has improved and their bench depth has improved, but their defense has taken a hit. Of course, with um, guys like Dennis Schroeder, they're not really regarded for their defense as well as Montrez Harrell. Um, Marcus Saul is kind of it's kind of not living up to what Lakers fans expected from him because I thought they thought that they were going to get someone who's going to be great on defense and be able to hit some threes. So far, he's been able to just like really just play make for them. Um, Again, we already spoke about the Mavs. And the last thing I've noticed about um, the Nuggets to, to close, to kind of close things off with the Christmas day games, the Nuggets really miss Grant and Craig with someone who could defend the wings. Cause we saw Paul George and, and Kawhi, they, they basically had their way with, with the with the Nuggets out there and guys like Grant and Craig, they were the guys that you had defending them. Michael Porter Jr. He gives you stuff on offense and he's improved his defense a little bit, but it hasn't really improved to the point where you're like trusting him to guard Kawhi and Paul George for extended periods of time. Same, Will Barton's a solid perimeter defender, but are you going to trust him on Kawhi and Paul George like you did with Grant? So like. I feel like that's going to be the the main factor of what contributes to, along with Jamal Murray's um, progression, that's what's going to contribute to the um, the Nuggets, how deep they go into the postseason. So how do you feel about that? I definitely agree with you. Um, I kind of hated to see Grant go because I, I, I just feel like, you know, especially like in the bubble, in the playoffs, he was like a really valuable player for the team, especially um especially against the Clippers in the um in the second round and then also a little bit against the Lakers as well in the conference finals. So I think with him with him not being on the team it does it does take a hit on the defensive end, but not only not only that, but I mean just like production off the bench as a whole. But it's like, you know, you, I, I guess it's like, you know, who do who do you want guarding Kawhi and Paul George? Like, you know, I mean and like you said, do you expect Michael Porter Jr. to be able to do it on a consistent level? Do you expect him to like really use his size to make things difficult for both for, for both of for both of those guys? I feel like he has the capability of doing it, but he's gonna have to really step up and really like show more effort to make that necessary on, on the defensive end. But yeah, I mean I mean just looking at the team as a whole, I mean the, the Nuggets are definitely still looking to find themselves, especially like, you know, after having a terrific bubble experience and now going back to, you know, playing in home arenas, I just think that, you know, they're they're really still trying to find 
their stuff as a collective. And you could tell, like, it's, it's really took a toll on them. Because, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, many people expected him, many people expected them to blow out Sacramento, but obviously that didn't happen. And they didn't really make this Clippers game uh, um, very competitive until, like, probably late in the fourth quarter when they kind of, like, mounted, a, like, a small comeback, but it didn't last long. So, so yeah, I mean, just, just going, like, deep into the season, Denver's really going to have to, like, really find that identity and, like, really find a way that they can make things happen going forward. Yeah, things haven't looked good for the Nuggets, and man, it. I I was just so upset. Like you, I was so pissed to see Grant go, and to go to the Pistons out of all teams, it's like, oh man, he he, he kind of ruined the great thing that they had because if they kept Grant going, then you can slowly still ease Michael Porter Jr. into the role that you want him to be. You don't have to thrust him onto these, um, onto these wings. Same thing with um with Craig. They basically let Craig go for nothing too. I mean, it's just I don't know. It's it's weird how Denver let both those guys just go like that. But Grant did they did match Grant's offer. Grant just wanted a bigger role. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing for him, but Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not really too high on him being in Detroit. I do understand that the fact that, you know, he does want a higher role, especially with the way that he played last year, but he was honestly in a really good position to possibly win a championship and I just feel like now with him being in Detroit I mean that's 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 honestly not going to happen alright so before we end things um, the rookie the 2017 rookie class a lot of them got their extensions and some of them did not um, Luke Kennard got 4 years 64 mil Fultz got 3 years 50 mil Isaac got 4 years 80 mil OG got 4 years 72 Derek White got four years, 73 mil. The guys who didn't get extended were Lonzo, John Collins, Markinen, Allen, Dennis Smith Jr., of course, and, like, some other guys. But how did you feel about who got contracts and, like, their amounts and, like, who didn't get extended? I know John Collins recently, they said he he declined the $90 million extension from the Hawks because he wanted more. So how, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure why John Collins turned that down, but maybe, 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 there's, yeah. maybe this. You don't turn down a guy like that. Exactly. I mean, especially like with him still being so young, and it's like, but hey, I mean, maybe, maybe there's something. Maybe Atlanta can make something happen in the future. So maybe, maybe he kind of sees ahead. But I think the one person I'm really happy for is Markel Fultz, especially like with the way that his career started, and him. Really, oh yes, definitely. Him being able to like really find a home in Orlando, I think I think that really helps him as far as like you know where his career can go, longevity, and Orlando Orlando obviously shows that you know that that they want to continue to be um, to have him as their starting point guard long term with signing that extension. So I don't know, man. Maybe he did have a good season last year, but now it's like now it's really all about like you know how he's able to continue this going forward. So now it's, it's really up to him to see like you know where he really goes as far as, like, being, like, a really, like, valuable point guard on, on Orlando. Yeah, I was really happy for Markel Fultz as well because, I mean, like you said, the way his career started, it just felt like it was so – like, he had so much promise. He was the number one overall prospect. And, like, he – and then all of the shoulder stuff happened and then the, the whole thing with the Sixers, it was just it was just a mess. And I'm glad he got out of Philly and was able to find a home in Orlando and is getting paid. Um, one of the most, one of the more intriguing um, names that um, was, um, of course, John Collins, because you just don't turn down a bag like that. And Lonzo Ball betting on himself. I feel like he's definitely going to get paid, especially if he continues the trajectory that he's been going on. He's been progressing really well the last 
couple of years. His jump shot definitely has improved. I would like to see him go to the rim a bit more because I think teams, they know that he doesn't want to go to the rim, so they kind of game plan for that. But other than that, I feel like he's been pretty solid, and I feel like he'll get himself a decent payday, especially seeing how other guys like Kanar got paid and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, to be honest, I wasn't I wasn't necessarily surprised with Lonzo not getting that extension, just because I feel like I feel like like in all honesty, Lonzo's a really talented player. I just want people to know that right away. But the mm-hmm. one thing the one thing that I'm concerned with him is his assertiveness. Is like sometimes he looks as if he's not really engaged into the game, and it's like. For for a guy with that amount of talent and a guy that many people expected to really shine after his um after his great career at UCLA, we really expected more out of Alonzo. I don't know about superstar caliber, but he, he he I mean he can honestly be a very valuable point guard. He's a he's a great floor general. You know he's he's a very he's very athletic. You know he can get to the room when he wants to. So it's all about you know him being able to take that extra step as far as being a very assertive player on both ends of the floor. And I feel like if he's able to do that, not only will he like. Not only will he like you know allow himself to have opportunities like to get more money, but it'll also help the Pelicans as a whole. Because I mean, Pel- the Pelicans are, are are a team that many expect to make the playoffs this year, and I feel like with Lonzo possibly being that guy, maybe not the third leading scorer right behind Zion and Brandon Ingram, but to be able to like really like be a valuable player as the point guard, I feel like it'll really elevate them, you know, as as they're trying to push for a playoff seed. Yeah, definitely. Um, in my in my in my season preview, I actually had the Pelicans as like possibly a playing team because I wasn't confident in their spacing, and that was like my main issue with them was just their spacing because um, as we saw in the Christmas Day game, it, it it's just not something that is present at the moment. But we'll see how it goes as the season goes on. Um, as we wrap things up here, um. Thank you, Nick, for coming on to the podcast. Hopefully, I can we can collaborate again in the future. Um, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Follow my podcast at ATR Pod. I do a lot of basketball content, like pretty much all over the internet. So yeah, just check me out from there. You never know what I what I'll be able to talk about next. All right, and definitely make sure you guys, if you're watching on the YouTube page, make sure you subscribe. I'm trying to be consistent with the uploads there. Um, leave a like, rating, subscribe, all that good stuff. Leave a rating, share with your friends, all that good stuff. Um, make sure you check out the links in the in the in the show notes. I got all links to my content, and I'll have links to Nick's content as well. Um, and that's it.